tonight. Amen? Amen. So I'm excited about that. Always love to hear the young men preach uh, and uh, and excited and looking forward to that. Uh, and we'll be doing that in a minute. I'm trying to think. Seems like there's something else that I, Oh, yeah. You think we ought to have an offering? Okay, so uh, ushers, come on around. We're just going to jump right into this. I do want to say this. We had a wonderful uh, uh, Valentine banquet for the owls today. Absolutely great. We enjoyed every bit of it. And uh, we had a wonderful meal and we had great fellowship. And we had a game that even, a Bible game that even stumped Harry. Uh, Harry just, he was totally lost in the Bible game. And Jason here even cheated and he couldn't get it right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, it was a, it was a tough game. It really was. Uh, but I also want to say thank you to Jason and Carrie and their two girls. They worked so very very hard to help us have a wonderful banquet today, and so we appreciate it very very much. And the good Lord willing, we'll be doing some other wonderful things with the owls this year as we get into the spring and summer months. And so we're looking forward to that in a great way. And I'm going to ask Jason if he would to ask God's blessing on the offering. Father, Lord, we thank you again for this day that you've blessed us with, Lord, and just thank you for this church and for this congregation. Lord, we pray that you would uh, meet with us here tonight, Lord, yes. and that you would speak to hearts, yes, and that you would uh, use Brother Daryl to uh, talk to the hearts of your people this night, Lord, and that we might all draw closer to you. We pray that you would bless this offering uh, to the uplifting of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Page 226. 226. Everybody stand. The great physician now is near, the sympathizing Jesus. He speaks the drooping heart to cheer, oh hear, voice of Jesus, sweet. 
sweetest note in seraph song, sweetest name on mortal tongue, sweetest carol ever sung, Jesus, blessed Jesus, your many sins all forgive, oh, hear the voice of Jesus, go on your way, peace to heaven, and wear a crown with Jesus, sweetest note in seraph song, sweetest name on mortal tongue, sweetest carol ever sung, Jesus, blessed Jesus. All right, choir, come on up on this last verse. All glory to the dying Lamb. I now believe in Jesus. I love the blessed Savior's name. I love the name of Jesus. Sweetest note in seraph song, sweetest name on mortal tongue, sweetest carol ever sung, Jesus, blessed Jesus. Amen. You may be seated.
mountains, valleys in our way. But right here in this moment, may our strength be renewed as we recall what God has done, how we've seen him move. If there's anybody here who's found him faithful, anybody
Hey, everybody. Did you all have a good day today? Well, good. Pastor, glad you had a good day. <laughs> Everybody else isn't sure. Still napping, wish they got a nap or something, I don't know. Hebrews chapter 3 is where we will land tonight. Oh, I gotcha. The signals from everybody back there. Luann, you were the only one not included in that. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3 is where we will be tonight. And uh, we're going to start reading in verse 7 and go through the end of the chapter. So the Bible says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the day of provocation or rebellion, in the day of temptation or the trying in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, tried me, which is God, proved me, which is God, saw my works, which is God's works, for 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their hearts and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they shall, should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see that they could not enter because of unbelief. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word and the truth that it is, the help that it is. Father, we need it. God, I pray that you'll bless uh, your word here tonight, Father. I pray that you will, Father God, I pray that you would just have your way here. Father, I am surrendered to you right now. God, that you would just speak what you will have be spoken. You'll say what you once said. And God, that you would just touch the heart of, of those here today. Father, I pray that everyone in here leaves different than how they came. Father, that, that uh, just a, a renewed um, a passion to serve you. Father, that they might have come in with some burdens. Lord, I pray that they know that they can leave it here today at your feet, God, and, 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 and get help and leave here with victory and go on throughout the week just proclaiming that victory to a lost and dying world that they can see uh, that there is hope in this world and that hope is in you. And God, I just pray that you will bless this time. Meet with us here, please. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
this passage, this passage has several topics, but two topics we're going to touch on, the heart and rest. The heart and rest and how the condition of the heart dictates your access to rest. The heart is the core or the center of our being. Um, it drives uh, the will of men to action. It drives their emotions. It, it drives men's behavior. Um, we often hear, um, you know, let's get to the heart of the matter. Let's get to the core problem. Let's get to the issue. Let's get to the thing that's driving this whole situation or circumstance. The heart of it is at the core of it. And our heart is at the core of us, dictating our actions, our behavior, our emotions. And, and born, our hearts, the Bible says, are no good, deceitful above all things, des desperately wicked. Uh, who can know it, the Bible says. But the good news is, the Bible also says that he will give us a new heart. He will give us a new heart to the one who puts their faith in him, who puts their trust in him, who um, surrenders their life to him. And then the Holy Spirit comes in and starts to do a work in that heart and a change in that heart. And then the Bible says to keep thy heart with all diligence, to guard your heart, it says, to keep it with all diligence for out of it is the issues of life. This is from the heart, our heart. Uh, for, for, your, for where your treasures are, there is where your heart is. We, the pa we're passionate for the things that we pour our heart into. And, and even in my life, I, I, we could do good to pour our heart into the things of God even more. Our heart is where our treasure is. The Bible says that if we seek him, we will find him. If we search for him with our whole heart, our whole heart is involved in seeking God and finding God. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lead not unto our own understanding. All of our heart. Uh, the Bible says that the Lord seeth what man doesn't. The Lord sees the outward appearance. Uh, I'm sorry, man sees the outward appearance, but the Lord sees the heart. The heart is what God sees. And he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is the heart. The heart that is at the core of us. It's at the center of us. Um, dictating, controlling. It, our actions come from that. What we do and, like we said before, the condition of our heart, as in this passage reads, dictates if we come into this rest that they're talking about. When the Bible talks about rest, it talks about it in a couple of different ways. It talks about it as the Sabbath, the day of rest. It talks about it, the promised land, the land that was promised to the Israelites where they would find rest. It talks about things in the difficulty of life that we can run to our Savior and we can find rest in the difficulty of life. And it talks about it in an internal aspect that when we leave this life and we go to the next, we will find eternal rest. Hallelujah for that. So rest. And, 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 and this passage, and we'll get to it here in a little bit, but it starts to talk about the promised land. And Canaan land was the land that was promised to the Israelites, a land, the Bible says, that was flowing with milk and honey and where God would provide and where God would protect and, and they would be in his care and they would be in his presence. This was the land that was promised to them. And then the, the Bible talks about the Sabbath. And, and even here in chapter 4, it kind of talks about the Sabbath. And, and there were some things interesting about that, the rest of the Sabbath and, and, and resting God creating uh, everything in six days and then resting on the seventh not because god's tired 
God doesn't get tired, but because the work was complete and he rested. And it relates this to Jesus as our Sabbath rest. Why? Because God saw in us hopelessness, saw in us nothing but sin that was separating us from God, and there was nothing we could do to get to God. So out of his great love, he sent his son to this earth, God to become flesh, and he laid down his life. He was beaten, he was whipped, he was mocked, he was spit on, he was nailed to the cross, whipped, suspended in the air, and he said, it is finished, the work is complete. And because of that, our salvation, the work for us, we don't have to. We don't have to work for these things because Christ already did it. And the work is complete. That is part of the Sabbath. But now, now here we go through life and we don't have to fight our battles. The, The Bible says that God will fight these battles for us. And that we don't have to worry because we can cast our cares on him because he cares for us. This is also the rest and the salvation like we had talked about. He took care of that. It's complete. And now we have peace in God and we can find rest even while we go through these things of life. Rest in our Savior. Rest in God. We've got rest in all these things, but we can only have access to this rest depending on the condition of our heart. Depending on the condition of our heart. And the text, it refers to um, the children of Israel. It talks there in, in verse 8 and, and 9 um, uh, about how they were in rebellion. At the, the fathers, your fathers that tempted me, that, 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 that tried God, and, and were in rebellion in the days of temptation in the wilderness. The fathers that were out there, and this is speaking of the children of Israel who uh, were once in bondage. Uh, by Egypt, and I know you all probably know this story or whatever, but just in case somebody out there that doesn't, let's go over it. So, in bondage, in Egypt, here they are, and God wanted them people out of there. He wanted them to go into the land of promise. He wanted that so bad that he just unleashed plagues on Pharaoh, and that guy, you talk about a hard heart. I mean, them people, the sea turns to blood, uh, locusts, frogs, of all things frogs, all over the place, death, darkness that they said they could feel to the point to where it just brought him to his knees and he finally says yes I'll let you people go but it wasn't long once he let them go that he was in pursuit of them again and the Israelites found themselves up against the sea trapped between the sea and the Egyptians and God said hey Moses hold out your rod there and he held his rod out and the waters parted Can you imagine that Can you imagine that and it said they walked across on dry land, so their, their carts, their wagons, whatever, their wheels didn't even get stuck in mud. Dry land. Walls of water that they marched through. God did this for them, providing a way out of the bondage that they had had. And they get to safety on the other side. They look back. They see the Egyptians coming through, and God causes that water to collapse. And they all perish. The Egyptians perish in there, and there they go. They're off. They're off into their journey into the wilderness, onto the land of promise. But even though with these miracles, with these things that God had done, it wasn't long before they start murmuring. Oh, we're hungry. We're hungry. Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? Why did you bring us out here to die? We'd have been better off back there. So what does God do? Or what does Moses do? He goes to God. God says, you know what? I'll provide for you. And every night for days, they wake up and there's this manna. There's this bread on the ground provided out of nowhere. God provides for them 
to, for the, to satisfy their hunger. Off they go again, another miracle, yet God providing for these people. But they go a little further. Now they're thirsty. And again, they get back to, why don't we go back? Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? We're hungry, now we're thirsty. We had it better back there when we were slaves of all things. So Moses goes to God again. God says, strike that rock right there. He strikes that rock. Water comes out of it. Miracle upon miracle. God providing for these people. He strikes this rock. And I don't know if you've ever tried to squeeze a rock, but no water comes out of it. I can tell you that. We went out to eat the other day, and Ryan got this chicken thing, and they give him like this grilled lemon that you squeeze the lemon on. And that dude squeezed that lemon until he got every drop out of that thing. But you can squeeze a rock all you want, and it ain't going to drip anything out of that thing. But God caused water to come out of a rock to satisfy the thirst of the children of Israel. And yet again, we see time and time again till finally they're at the doorstep of the promised land. And they send 12 spies in to go check this thing out. And they come back and they say, this place is something else. It's pretty nice in there. But there was 10 of them guys and they said, they started putting some doubt there. But there's these people in there. They're big. They're strong. I don't think we can do it. And again, here are these people. God, time and time again, providing their need. Once again, they go back to we were better back then. Why did you bring us out here to die? God had had it. That was it. He wasn't having it anymore. He said, you know what? You guys aren't going to enter into this rest. And now, just like kids who realize that they messed up, they're going to try to do things better. Like, oh, hold up, hold up. We'll go, we'll go. And off they go, thinking that they're going to send, you know, take over this land. And Moses says, wait, you can't go because God's not with you. They were working outside of God's guidance and outside of God's uh, direction. And because of that, they were thrashed. They were done away with. Time and time again, this is what we see here. This is what we see that they bring up in this uh, passage here. Um, this wilderness. And, and it's, a, it's a picture of, of our deliverance. Their deliverance out of the slavery, out of the bondage of Egypt, is a picture of our deliverance out of sin slavery that we were in captive, that we couldn't do anything about, but God performed a miracle when he became flesh and was born of a virgin and he went to the cross and he became sin who knew no sin that we might become righteousness. And he delivered us from the bondage of sin and death. That's what God did for us. And then I've heard it talked about how they passed through the waters and that was kind of an image of, of believers' baptism because uh, as, the, as the Egyptians were coming through and the waters collapsed down upon them, that was a kind of referencing the old life under the water to be no more and off they go on their journey and see this is the resemblance between us and them and and now they're in their wilderness and and the wilderness man wouldn't we love to skip the wilderness because the wilderness is where the trials of life come into play and the wilderness unfortunately it's necessary it's a necessary part of going from egypt um to the promised land. God said, I sent you out there so you will learn to trust me. And this is what ha is happening in our life now. We're going through life so we can learn to trust God. And he said, that's why I sent you out there. He let them go out there without water so that they would look to him for water. He let them go out there without food so they would look to him for food. And sometimes God lets you get sick. Sometimes God lets you have some financial problems. Sometimes God puts you through a, a, a relationship issue. Sometimes God lets you go through some anxieties or things like that. And it's also that we learn to trust him. 
the wilderness is necessary. We can't get from one place. We can't get out of bondage to the promised land without going through the wilderness. From deliverance to development to destiny, I heard somebody say. From, de from deliverance, development to destiny. Deliverance was being freed from the Egyptian bondage. Development was enduring um, the trials and the testing of the wilderness and, and developing a relationship with Christ. And the destiny is where God wants us to end up, which is in his rest. But unfortunately, so often we fail at the development. We fail at the development, but you can't go from the deliverance to destiny and skip development. You, you can't do it. And we, we can't be saved and refuse the development. God working in our lives and in our hearts. And these people saw miracle after miracle, and it was almost like they got numb to it. I told her, we were talking about, Alice and I were talking about that the other day. Can you imagine seeing all these things and then just not believing? I, can you imagine seeing like walls of water that you walked through and that didn't have an impact on you the rest of your life? <laughs> you know what I mean? Can you imagine seeing water turn to blood and that ain't something you never forget? Um, can you imagine somebody strike a rock and water come out and it, you, you forget, I just, it blurs my mind. But we do that every day. We do. We go through life, God provides this, he provides that, and, and we're good for that thing, but so often we forget when the next thing comes around. And it's, and it's the people that continued to harden their hearts because of their disobedience, and they, they were deceived by sins, and they provoked God, and they tried God, and they denied him. They denied his, his care and his provision and God's promise they refused because they wouldn't believe. And we see here a couple things. The, the hardness of their heart, how it relates to their access to this rest. And the Bible, the Bible talks here about the cause of the hardness of their heart. It says here in, in verse 11, So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. And it talks about the deceitfulness of sin. There in, in verse 13, lest any of you be hardened through deceitfulness of sin. Deceitfulness of sin. This is one of the things that will harden our heart. Harden our heart to the things of God, to where we're blinded to God's goodness, to where we're blinded to God's grace, to where we're blinded to God's direction, because we get caught up in the lies of sin. Sin tells us that it's the path to freedom. Sin tells us that it's the path to happiness. It tells us that it's the path to peace. And, and, and it leads us just to being locked up, like we're in this prison of, of shame and doubt, and, and we're standing miserable in just the ruins of our life. And we never find contentment. We never find peace. And we're always chasing after the next thing, after the next thing. We think this thing's going to satisfy us, but it doesn't. But that's the deceitfulness of sin. It tells you these things are going to give you what, you what you want. All along, it ain't going to give you what you want. Sin appears fair, all the while it's vile. Sin appears pleasant. All the while, it's, it's destructive. Sin appears to promise these good things, but at the end, it leaves you empty, and it leaves you wanting more. It tells you that, that sin is the path to all these things that you think you want in life, and, and that God is not that path. This is the deceitfulness of sin. And one sin that you allow into your life makes room for another sin, and another, until a habit is created. 
a habit is created and the, the, that deceitfulness of sin that lied to you and tell you that if you go this way, you'll get this thing and you start to buy into that and you believe it. And next thing you know, your heart starts to be hardened to the things of God because you've been sold a bit of good by sins and you're trying to go this one way and God don't want you to go that way, but you're so far down this thing of deceit that you really can't even hear God anymore. And it's this deceitfulness of sin that hardens our hearts and keeps us out of this rest. And we wonder why we struggle so much in life. Because we're outside of the rest of God. Because we've been let ourselves deceived by sin. That was one cause that they got going on. The other one, it says in verse 12, Take heed, be aware, watch out, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief. Time and time again, um, just believing this this doubt coming into your mind that God is not who he says he is that God is not able to do what God says he's able to do that God is not willing to fulfill the promises that he said that he would that he would fulfill in your life and it brings this unbelief into our heart and it begins to harden our heart to where we don't get access into this wrath because that's what God said that's what happened and then he says I swear in my wrath they won't enter in this why because of deceitfulness of sin and unbelief in their heart and unbelief feeds sin and sin feeds unbelief and it just keeps on feeding off of each other and the people in Israel they fell prey to the deceitfulness of sin because they kept on saying our old life was better the, the devil started, kept on saying yeah, don't, don't trust this guy this Moses guy I don't know who he's talking to but it ain't God he's got you out here you're going to starve to death you're going to thirst whatever you know and they start buying into that and believing that and they think that they want to go back to their old life the old life ain't got nothing for you <laughs> but heartache and, 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 and destruction and, 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 and just pain. Uh, God has rest. But take heed, the Bible says, lest there be in any of us an evil heart of unbelief. And we buy into this deceitfulness of sin. We start to doubt God. Uh, we start to buy into these things uh, that sin says and their heart of unbelief caused them not to trust God's care, not to trust God's provision and it led to a hardening of their heart and a departing from God is what it says in the, that latter verse of 12 in the, uh, the evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God, departed from the presence and again there ain't no rest outside of God, there ain't no peace outside of God, God is the only source of that and here, this heart of unbelief, this deceitfulness of sin, buying into the things of the world, it just drew them further and further away from God. This is why the Bible says, if you draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. And if you uh, avoid evil, the devil will flee. But here, they're not avoiding evil. They're running to it. And because they're running to it, they're departing from God, out of the presence of God, with no hope of rest. And again, we wonder why we struggle in life. We wonder why things are so difficult. Because God's nowhere near because we've allowed sin to deceive us and we've developed this heart of unbelief and it's caused our heart to be cold and there's some consequences with that there's some consequences to this hard heart uh, he, the, the Bible says in here that that they were tempted that they tempted God they tried God that they tried God they put God they put the Lord to the test as if God had to meet their approval uh, and they, were, they wanted a, a, a walk in life that was worry-free and, and one that they never had to trust God 
and they wanted God to prove himself before they would even prove themselves. And here God has them out testing them, and because of their unbelief, and because of, of, of their buy-in, the deceitfulness of sin, and because of their heart and heart, God says that you tried me, that you tried me. And he says, I'm grieving. He was grieved for that generation. Grieved for that generation. That whole generation that came out of there, you know, they never saw rest. They spent the rest of their days out in the wilderness. They never even got there because they just kept on continuing to disbelieve God, doing their own thing, falling into the deceitfulness of sin. Moses didn't even get there. Of all people, Moses didn't even get there. Those, got, those people got thirsty again, and this time God said, Moses, speak to that rock this time. Moses goes out there in front of the people into the rock, and he lets the grumbling and the complaining of the people influence him, and instead of speaking to that rock, he strikes the rock, and God says, nope, that's not what I told you to do. I told you to speak to it. And because of that, he didn't even let Moses in there. Why do we play with God? That seems like a hard line, doesn't it? Moses, here's the guy who led, I mean, for how long? Moses was faithful to hear, and he didn't obey this one commandment? I think sometimes, hey, hey, I'm grateful for the mercy of God. But sometimes I wonder how close we are, this generation, to the wrath of God because of our continued disobedience and the continuance of, of buying into the deceitfulness of sin. And I wonder if God is just so close to being like, you know what, I've had it with these people over and over again, time and time again. I've provided, I've given opportunity, I've given chance, but still they deny me. Still they choose to go another route. I'm just tired of this generation. He got to that point with the, with, with, with the children of Israel, and, and, and Moses at one point went to him and, and turned God from his character of wrath to where God showed his mercy. Man, oh, that there are still people in this day that can get a hold of God, that when he's about to pour out his wrath on us, they can get a hold of God, and God decides to delve out mercy <laughs> rather than wrath. We can't fall into that deceitfulness of sin. We can't fall into that evil unbelief. It's grieving a generation. It's grieving God for this generation, and it provokes him to wrath. He says there, I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. They want to live in rebellion. They want to live not believing. They want to live not trusting. And in other words, they, they just want to poke the bear. And what a big bear. <laughs> God. That's one bear you don't want to poke. But there they do. In rebellion, these things are happening against God. But he talks about some cures in here. Some things that we can do. In verse 7, I'm going to have to get a drink. Sorry. In verse 7, one of the cures, he says, The Holy Ghost saith, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. And then he goes on to quote scripture. The next couple of verses is, is quoting Psalms 95. So the Holy Ghost, we hear his voice in scripture. We hear him in his word. That makes sense, doesn't it? You hear words. We hear him through his words. The Holy Ghost speaks through his word. 
I'm glad. I'm glad that I can glean things out of this book, that I can learn the character of God, and I can, not that, I, not that I'll grasp everything about God, but I got a better understanding. I, I know that if he'll not let Moses in the rest, I know I better try to be as obedient as I can. <laughs> I better not tempt him. I better not try him. I learned the character of God here. I learned some things that, you know what, the Christian life, just he didn't say it was going to be easy. He didn't say it was going to be a cakewalk, but he's given us some things in here that we can do. Thy word that I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against God, his word, his holy, the Holy Spirit speaks to us through his word. I love that song that we sing, that line anyway. I remember when I heard it during COVID. Uh, I don't even remember what the name of it. Some things never change. I still have a Bible, a guide to survival. And I heard that when COVID was going on and things were all jacked up. And I'm like, yep, at least I've got the Bible. <laughs> a guide to survival. And that's what it is for us. And we hear the Holy Spirit speak through his word. And he's saying, that through his word, if you allow this, this word to speak to you, if you get into this word, um, it will keep your heart from unbelief. It will keep your heart from falling into the deceitfulness of sin. It will keep your heart from hardening, and you may be able to enjoy a little bit of rest. You may be able to enjoy a little bit of rest by hearing his voice today, it says. The Holy Spirit, it doesn't say the Holy Ghost said or the Holy Ghost will say. It says the Holy Ghost saith today, today, this word has the answer for you and for me. For whatever you're going through in life, this is where we find rest. This is where we find that we can block out the deceitfulness of sin. This is where we find that we can block out the heart of unbelief and our heart stays tender to the Holy Spirit and we can hear him and we can draw close to him and we can find rest. There's one cure. Here's the other cure. In 13, but exhort one another. Exhort one another daily. While it is called today, Exhort one another. Encourage one another. Apparently, we need each other. You know, when the Bible, at the beginning, when God created Adam, and he said, no, 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 we relate this a lot to, you know, husband and wife, but when he said that man should not be alone, and he created more people, God knew that we needed each other. Allison was talking about this. We need each other to, to encourage, to build each other up. Apparently, we need each other to where we're not developing this heart of unbelief, to where we're not falling into the deceitfulness of sin, to where our heart can still be tender. We need this place. We need to be able to come into this place and worship God in spirit and in truth. I tell you what, I still think about last Sunday morning. Last Sunday morning, when God was changing a whole family, Amen. a whole family's life. And I get to looking around. I don't usually get to see out here what's going on because my back is to you all when the choir is up here singing. But Curtis started shouting, so I got to looking. And then I see Luke over there with his hands raised. And then I look up here, and so many people up here have their hands raised. Oh, man, we were just rejoicing because somebody, somebody's heart was being changed at that moment. And the Bible says that heaven's rejoiced. We should be rejoicing too, and it was just a cool thing. At that moment, when God was just doing that work and everybody, we were singing, I got saved. and How encouraging that was to me. I don't know if it encouraged you, but we were together. We were worshiping together. 
We were here. Allison was talking about this last night, and it's funny that she mentioned it, but uh, a couple years ago, my, my health wasn't all that great, and, and it was, well, it just wasn't all that great. We'll leave it there. And, uh, and it was going on for a long time, and it didn't seem like it was going to end. And, uh, and then next thing we know, Tyler got diagnosed with somewhat of the same type of thing that I did, and he was going through a hard time, and, and Allison, she, uh, she was testifying a little bit about how she was crying to God about this whole situation. And I don't know if it was a text or a phone call, I can't remember what it was, but somebody in this place reached out to her and said, I don't know what you're going through. All I know is that God said to tell you that it's going to be okay. We need each other. What an encouragement when somebody is going through a valley or, or a trial. And you get to a point where you don't think you're going to make it another step and your heart starts to, starts to doubt. And you start to go into the deceitfulness of sin here and your heart starts to get hardened, but then somebody gets a, a word from God and today, right then, acts on it. There's some people in this place, in this room, oh, maybe they're not here now, I don't know. But there's a couple people that will text every once in a while. And they'll send, one guy's really faithful about just a text of encouragement and and he sent me a text the other day and it was really <laughs> he thinks too much of me I can tell you that because <laughs> I ain't no good but it was encouraging and it was what I needed at that day and he was exhorting there's a, another person in this room that he's been uh, more and more he just like sends these text messages and it's to a group of people and, and it's not very long. It's just short little blips of something that probably he's been praying about or reading about. And he texted something the other day. I meant to look at it before I come up here to see exactly what it said. But it, it spoke specifically to something that I was dealing with that day. Man, we need each other. We need each other. And act on those things. I'm guilty. And I told the... I told the I told the one guy, in response to him, I'm like, man, I'm guilty. I need to be doing this more. I need to be encouraging people. We need to be encouraging people more. If we don't see somebody here for a while, why don't we reach out to them? Instead, we start to talking to each other, like, what happened to so-and-so? I don't know. And then we just kind of shrug our shoulders and think, okay, one day they'll walk through the door again. Well, maybe not, because you know what happens? They start to feel disconnected. They start to feel disconnected, and then the heart of unbelief starts to come. The deceitfulness of sin, sin starts to lie to them and tell them, oh, look, nobody cares about you. You know, there's people down there, they say that they love you, whatever, but they don't even reaching out to you. We need to exhort one another. Now, daily, today is what it says. Exhort one another, pick each other up, hold each other up, encourage each other, pray for each other. The Bible says, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Bear ye one another's burdens. Be ye kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. This is things that he tells us. Man, sin comes in so many ways and disguises us, and we need more eyes on it than just our own. Sometimes some people see something that I may not see coming, and a, and a word from you may be helpful. You know what I mean? We just need to encourage each other, and I just love that that was in there, that that is how, one way, that we can guard our hearts from hardening. Each other, we need each other. 
And it says to do these things today. Today. Hear his voice today. Exhort one another today. You know why? Because tomorrow may not come. Tomorrow may be too late. Tomorrow something may happen to you, to them, whatever. Today, right now, we need to act. He expresses the urgency of this matter. And he says, for we are made partakers of Christ, partners of Christ, beneficiaries of Christ, in his rest with Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, if we are faithful, we can enter into his rest. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Heads bowed, eyes closed. And um, that's it. I don't have anything else to say. I think God's word pretty much said it all. And as they come and they start playing, I don't know, if you've got a, a burden, if you've got something that you're dealing with, if you're struggling with some type of, I don't even know, issue in life, if you're struggling out in the wilderness, and it just seems like sin is just deceiving you and telling you that you're out there all by yourself, God's not going to do anything for you, whatever, Hear his voice. Hear his voice. Harden not your heart. Don't pour out, don't let him be grieved over this generation, over you. Don't let him pour his wrath out on you. Today, hear his voice. You may be in this room and you know somebody's going through something. Exhort one another. Pray for somebody. Encourage somebody. I heard somebody say that some of the most effective ministry at church is like 15 minutes before and like a half an hour afterwards when people are just hanging out and talking and building those relationships and bonding. Exhort each other today. Hear his voice today. Today. Don't put it off. Don't harden your hearts. God has rest for us if we only keep believing and we only keep trusting. Everyone, you, you all can stand with heads bowed, eyes closed, I guess. We'll start singing a verse of this. If you need to come, the altar is always open. If you need to pray where you're at, whatever. But I just urge you, you got something you're dealing with, don't leave here. You leave here and, and, and just you, you get, start going about your business, your, your other routines, and the Holy Spirit just don't nudge on you like it did. But right now, it may be tugging at you. You may need to respond now, today, while we sing this verse. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he would give his
Son to make a wretched treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which mark the chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon the cross my sin upon his shoulders ashamed 